Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Thursday, June 18th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh, and we are putting the fun in functional sports content. Kev, as usual, we got to figure out if there's going to be sports, all right, here in, you know, American team sports in this country this summer. We've been, you know— getting more and more details, more and more concerns out there. It's It feels to me, Kevin, like we don't get more answers. We just get more questions, right? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it depends. It depends, I guess, where you're looking and how you're looking. Um, you know, it's, and it depends right on the sport, right? Like, we're getting some answers over in, in the soccer world. We got one answer. Who That's was going to win the Bundesliga? We got okay. Bayern to lynch their okay. trophy the other day. Um, you know, and when it comes to Major League Baseball, yeah, no, I've got nothing but questions, uh, you know, comments, questions, concerns. All, you know, everyone's hands goes up when it comes to Major League Baseball. And I guess maybe the NBA is somewhere in the middle ground when it comes to all of this. Yeah, I mean, okay, so we have some answers and some <laughs> other questions that I will have for follow-up. You know what it is, Dane? Go the ahead. problem is every answer has a follow-up, that's and that's saying. what we're doing right now. We get something, right? And then it's like, but what about this? Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. know, yeah. so let's play that game right now because we learned a little bit more of the answer side mm-hmm. on the NBA, and they're kind of moving down to Orlando, right? So first of all, A couple of things that I found interesting that are news to me is that by June 24th or 25th, the NBA players will be able to, in essence, declare, right, if they're going or not, if they're opting out, if they're like, nah, 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 I don't want to go to Orlando. And it seems like, remember, we know we're going to investigate the medical records, if they're high risk or not. If you were kind of high risk and you decide to opt out or if you're told not to go, you can still get paid, right? But if you decide to opt out, for your own kind of risk tolerance and there's no quote unquote medical reason, then maybe not. We also heard a little bit about the testing protocols that will be in place. I find this one pretty interesting. Like if you test positive, they got a whole like separate isolation housing for you, right? Like for all the for all the sick people out there. Um, so that one is interesting. I also thought this was interesting. It seems like there will be a hotline established, Kevin, for so you could like report others that are violating the regulations. And in a world, Kev, where you know Michael Jordan should have never ate the pizza in Utah, right? And and you send we send people to other opponents' rooms and pull the fire alarm in people's hotels. This happens, right? So could you see someone being like, yo? I saw Giannis outside the bubble. We need to quarantine him, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and then they also did talk about re-entry protocols if you test positive and also if you or your family members kind of leave the bubble. I wonder about that. If a family member leaves and re-enters, are they quarantined? You know, but we did get some bullet points of answers. But I got to tell you, Kev, it continues to raise follow-up questions. Yeah, there's, there's, look, there, there's a lot of things that they're going to need to figure out. I think the hotline thing was the funniest thing we probably <laughs> saw. Um, the idea that someone would be like, hello, this is Chris Middleton. I'm so concerned Giannis is not quarantining. And it's like, right. Kyle Lowry, will you hang up the phone? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Cut it out. Like, Absolutely. It's such a silly idea. Um, if I can go back to your very first point, I think it might right. be the most important thing that we got, which was that uh, hard date when players need to decide what's going on there's there's a couple of distinctions there are people who just and you have you can not come you will not be paid but that's a decision that those athletes are allowed to make there are athletes who will be protected for health reasons and there are athletes that might be excused for whatever the reason might be i would pretty much have to tell you though then dane do not touch the nba's futures market until that day so we know who it is right right. yeah i don't know what their rosters are Right, yeah. No reason to push the button. If we're pretty much going to get finalized rosters by, you know, say, let's call it June 25th 
or just maybe June 26th, right? Because you know how sometimes things can be lingered for an extra day sure. or two. But if we're going to get finalized rosters on those dates, then be cautious and you just be patient, right? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, getting early to lines is important because you can beat people, right? And you Sometimes. know something before the rest of them. That's right. true. Like if you knew Kawhi Leonard was going to sign with the Clippers. <laughs> right, exactly. You could, yeah, of course, right? Or, you know, and in this instance, if you knew Jamal Crawford was going to get signed as someone's 17th man, maybe you'd be excited about that. But realistically, you need to wait to see if there's going to be people not coming because I don't, I think from what we've seen, Dane, it is not a guarantee that the people that don't show up are insignificant. I think of a guy like Joe Ingles, who I could yeah, see not coming for health concerns because of his his children and, and, and his situation at home. And then I think of someone like Dwight Howard, who might not come for personal reasons. Right. And those are two guys. While Now, how much does their arrival shift a futures market? Tough to tell, right? It, you know, yeah. That's not an easy thing to identify, but will it matter in how I view both of those basketball teams? It does matter. So off the bat, I'm I'm going to preach caution to anybody looking to really hit the NBA's futures market unless you see a point blank flawed number. Right. No, I, I hear you. And this is part of what I'm going to say also. Right. You're you're predicting or hypothesizing and you mentioned names like a Dwight Howard or Joe Ingles. Right. Here's the thing. People's medical records are private for a reason, okay? We have no idea. And yes, the players in the NBA are probably generally fit, in good shape, they're young, I get that. But we have no effing clue, you know what I mean? Who has a history of cancer in their family or is asthmatic. And maybe there's not a max contract superstar, right? But it's not, we don't need that to be the case, right? If like PJ Tucker can't play for the Rockets, that's big. If two players, you know, that are just role players on a team can't play, that's big. You know what I mean? So I agree with you. Here's my other question. We're talking about players now. Remember when this came out also, coaches were a big topic of conversation, right? The D'Antonis, the Gentries, the Popoviches. What happens if some of our septa and septagenarians are kind of disqualified or opt out? What about the coaching impact or imbalance of availability? And that's, you know, a good point because maybe that's the group where you could see more names kind of pulled off because, and like with the players, right, there's obviously a larger pool, but it only an X number actually matter. If any team is without their head coach, that's going to make a difference in yeah. how you view that basketball team. And what if the doctors determine that being in your 60s is enough to be designated high risk? Then that's like going to be possible, right? That's what we've been hearing for the last few months, right? Yeah. So, and, and again, I'm not a doctor, but I have been watching this pandemic the last three months, and we talk sure. about the older generation. So, like, it's plausible that they can blanketly say, if you're over 60, don't come because you're at higher risk. And, you know, that's three main head coaches in the Western Conference, at least. And it'll be interesting to see then how the NBA tries to cross that bridge the idea where the nba is like you can't come and then say if they're like all right well then you have to sign a waiver it's still a sticky situation yeah about man. the pr of it all and i think that's again it's going to be that's why you have to wait and see kind of what happens here i i, yeah. I expect there to be masks they spoke about that uh, the frequency which they're going to be looking for people to wear masks. Those that are on that first row will not be asked to. Referees won't be asked to. Mm -hmm. Pretty much the exceptions are, for the most part, going to be the basketball games uh, where you'll see people not having to wear those masks. But it's going to be important just to see kind of how they want to uh, approach this. And also, too, Dane, like if you want to take this a, uh, a step further, one of the other pieces of information that we got is upon arrival, uh, you will need to pretty much self-isolate for 48 hours right. and I believe have two negative COVID tests. Correct. So and there's like there, a sequence. If you test positive, they text you again 48 hours and again yeah, and again. It's going to be a false positive. Right. Yeah. So they're going to try and go for it twice. And 
the I remember reading uh, a piece that where um, you know Zach Lowe was talking to some doctors and they said you really shouldn't be able to get a false positive or a false negative two consecutive times. Right. So you should be able to kind of sift out what's what um, through multiple tests. But that's also to say that when people show up, there's potential for some guys to upon arrival, yeah. unfortunately, be turned around. And one yeah. of the things that the NBA is being very open about, and it's good that they're being open about it. But it, it certainly is concerning from obviously a real life perspective, but also a gambling perspective is they're not asking the question if it's when right. someone tests positive yeah. for coronavirus. Yeah. So it's that's what makes this, you know, difficult because we're always worried about injuries. Right. And that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a piece of it always. Right. This is inevitable injury. This is it's not it's it's yes, it's this inevitable injury, but there's almost no. Like, I can tell you, right, that a certain player has an impeccable injury history, right? They, they're clean bill of health. Yeah, this is so random of a crapshoot, right? Yeah, like this, it, it's it's completely random. And that's why, Kev, I believe that your point about being very hesitant in the futures market mm-hmm. makes complete sense to me. I'm going to tell you right now, okay, there's going to be, what, 22 teams that go in there? I guarantee there's going to be a handful of players. Do I know who they're going to be? No. But by definition, Kev, it has an impact on competitive balance. It will change the rosters of the or the complexion of the teams that are there. Now, I don't know if they're going to be the 11th man of the on the bench. I don't know if it's going to be Lou Williams or another real role player. I don't know if it's going to be a quality point guard. I don't know if it's going to be an all-star. I don't know if it's going to be a glue piece. I don't know if it's going to be an MVP candidate, but it's going to be somebody and it's going to have some impact on competitive balance. Like Jamal Murray goes down. Now what? You know what I mean? And I'm just, you know, knock on wood that he is fine. Right. But this is a kind of player that who knows, right? And maybe he's not Giannis or LeBron or James Harden. But what happens to the Denver Nuggets if all of a sudden Jamal Murray ain't playing for three of these games? They're done. You know what I mean? And what happens if, you know, uh, both of the Lopez brothers go down, right? Because mm-hmm. their family has it. They're done. You know, so the unknown here makes me agree with you that the idea of futures has just so much more variance than ever before that it is a market that I might stay away from as well. Real quick, we only got a minute left. We've also learned like which hotels these teams are staying at. Shams put that out. Do we know anything about the Grand Destino, the Floridian or the Yacht Club? Here's what I know. Live with it. It's a wrestling thing. But uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion over New Japan Pro Wrestling is also the double champion. The Intercontinental Champion, Tetsuya Naito Destino, is uh, his catchphrase. So absolutely a massive advantage to those things in the Grand Destino. Okay. Whatever. When <laughs> we bring in our guy, Cam Stewart. He helped you get some cash last week about golf. So what are we going to do? We're going to bring him back and, you know, try and get some more. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. He's Kevin. I'm Dane. And we are joined by our man, Cam Stewart. I got to tell you guys, if you were with us last week and you heard our conversation with Cam about the first time golf would be back in Texas, correct me if I'm wrong, Cam, but we wound up talking about a few guys. You mentioned the idea of the top 10 bet as opposed to just the winning bet. And by my count, three of the guys we talked about did in fact finish in the top 10. I got paid out on Xander Shoffley. I got paid out on Sunjin M. I got paid out on Bryson DeChambeau. So I wanted to have you back and talk some more. <laughs> Let's go back to the well. Kim, did you do well last weekend? How you doing, brother man? Oh, I'm doing great, guys. No, it was. it's really weird. When golf came back, you're thinking, you know, let's just tip, dip our toe in the water. But I really like the tournament. And this is the thing. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what, uh, what what's in people's minds. Who worked out? I can tell you one thing on GTD. I gave a piece of Daniel Berger at 70 to one guys. And it was huge. Yeah. The Florida state Seminole, 
Uh, for people who don't know the story, uh, he's had major injuries. He almost like had enough injuries like all over his body, leg, back, everything to, to quit the game. He swings it pretty hard too. He has a lot of torque in his swing, but he's a really, really good golfer. But and the thing was, before COVID-19, he was trending in the right direction, a ninth, a fourth. Like, you got to see these things, right? So people are like, well, what's going to happen with the layoff? Obviously, he saw something that he liked. He kept on working on his game. And there's certain guys that I like to have at the end of tournaments. And, you know, if we keep on doing golf, guys, I'll tell you, like, certain guys on Sunday just collapse. Like, I, right. they could be, like, one of the best players the in the world. They too big for know how to close the door. I love guys like I love Tony Finau. I but it just it's just when they when they're there in a horse race, they just seem to not be able to put in that gear. Daniel Berger, you know, I think he had played a lot of cash games as a kid because he's got nerves of steel. Like he just went up there, you know, without the break. He was the first guy off the mm -hmm. golf course posting a number. He nuts like a 310-yard drive right down the fairway. Morikawa puts it in the grass. Morikawa's escape in the playoff was fantastic, but he continually misses three and four. And put out on that last putt, it's right? unbelievable. This guy is yeah. like Tita Green, Colin Morikawa, is probably the best golfer on the PGA Tour right now. And I'll tell you guys something. He's only three tournaments away from Tiger Woods' record. When Tiger Woods came onto the scene, he made 24 straight cuts uh, when he started his career. Morikawa is at 21 right now. So it's just another story that we could wow. focus on. Watch out for this kid. He's the real deal. And once he figures out the nerves with those, like, you know, anything between like three and seven feet, he has a lot of problems with short putts. But this is an interesting week, guys. Like this course, anybody can win. It's kind of like last week. Like you don't have to look at Rory McIlroy on FanDuel at 11 to one. There's a lot of guys. There's a player, Soshi Kodaira uh, from Japan, who won this tournament at 200 to one. What do you do? Well, yeah. So I'm saying like, we want a mixed bag. There's guys that are going to be there. It's a short course. And remember when you're playing short golf courses, that brings the whole field in, which I like a lot better. Gabe and I talked about this on GTD. I don't like to see a course at 7,900 yards where only Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Rory right. McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, right. yeah, Dustin Johnson, all the murder guys who murder the golf ball are there. I want to see guys penalized for not being able to hit the ball straight tougher rough and if you hit the ball straight you should be rewarded that's the problem mm -hmm. these guys don't even care they're like oh, i'll just hit it 340 yards in the rough it's not that deep i'll take <laughs> a little chip out of it and there. Be fine, right? it's like you know what i mean that's that's the problem with the game in my opinion i think we to make it a better game and it was a good start last week like a lot of people watching golf for the first time mm. were probably thinking oh my god look at all these guys in contention and good names too shoffley morikawa burger like they're you know what i mean you saw that uh, dechambeau the leader, Justin Rose, was there. If he hit a putt on 18, he would have been in the playoffs. So uh, it was a really good start back for golf. I know we laugh about it. It's like the players like, uh, do you want to wear a microphone? No, nah, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I told Marenzi, I go, these guys don't care. It would, be, it would be cool if we had more flamboyant guys on the tour. But it's just one of those things, I guess, wearing a mic, you'd hear a lot of F-bombs and flip-outs yeah. and guys uh, – telling his caddy, I'm going to punch you in the teeth like after my shower, after the final round, meet me in the parking lot, like Happy Gilmore style. I'm, I'm going to break your leg at the sizzler. So I think a lot of these guys don't want to do that type of thing. But what can you say, guys? I know you guys are like into all sports. The golf was mm -hmm. great last week for the for guys who were just getting into it, I think. It was. Yeah, it, it was fun to watch. You know, Cam, I got to think that um, with that, with the Charles Schwab kind of being the first thing back, a lot of the performances now people are going to kind of look to, and they're going to start even tracking guys that maybe surprised last week. One of those guys was Harold Varner, right? Kind of yeah. came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, I don't know, Sports Center all of a sudden had like a 10 minute profile on him. I don't know how they pulled that thing together talking to his dad, which was all gossips matter. Yeah, but it was it was cool. Uh, it was it was it was you know it was cool. He he finished I think uh, tied for nineteenth. He's though at one hundred and fifty to one right now at the FanDuel Sportsbook because you know a lot of people felt it was fluke. Even when he was in the lead, I don't know if he was ever actually the favorite to win. From what you saw with Varner, does he seem like maybe somebody that might be around a little he bit more? He showing in a major last year, too. Wasn't he in the final yeah. group in a major that Kepka won last year? It's what I say, though, guys. Varner is that classic, uh, you know, uh, week, weekend warrior. Like, he's, he, he's one of those starters. He comes out of the gate hot Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But the problem is Harold Varner, he just can't get the job done on Sunday. I'm going to tell you something. Winning a golf tournament would be great for golf. African-American guy on tour, cool guy, went to East Carolina. Everybody on tour loves him because he's a friendly guy. You know, he wears Air Jordan stuff and says, hey, look at my sponsor today. I'm sponsored by these delectable Swiss chocolates. You know, Harold Varner's rocking like Air Jordans and stuff, right? He yeah. is an everyman uh, playing the game of golf, and he's a grinder, you know? And I, I, that's the problem, though, Dane. It's one of, and, and Kev, I told you guys, 
it's hard on Sunday to win a golf tournament once you get in your own head. And Varner seems to be a good top 20 bet I would probably play this week with crazy odds like that because I've seen I've seen it too many times with Harold. He still hasn't been able to get over the hump, but he's getting closer. He's getting closer, but a T20 would be a, a good play. And Kev, if you play that, you'll probably get him at a good price if he's like 150 to 1. Yeah. Yeah, Cam, you know, I mean, I, my hands start to shake just when I have like a five footer to make sure I beat my wife on a par three course, you know. So on Sunday with millions on the line, I can understand. But Cam, you talked about Hilton Head at being a shorter course than what we saw the previous week and how that brings everybody into play. When I see the top of this kind of odds board right now, I still see the big boys, Rory, DeChambeau, John Rahm. Give me, who are some of the guys though that you know do have the more technique or the short game or will hit it straight? Am I crazy to think about a guy like a Matsuyama, for instance, or other? Uh, you're reading my mind, Dave. You're reading you go, my mind. I'm trying to find the guy that this course may be more tailor-made to. Matsuyama's 28 to 1. I got to find a way to bet on Hideki Matsuyama. I don't know if I'm going to smash a, uh, uh, you know, a matchup bet, but I, I, I usually do a six-pack and then take a couple flyers at 150 to 1 or around that range to, for top 10s and 20s. But I'll tell you this. He is the biggest X factor when you look at the whole field this week. We don't know what Hideki's been doing. He didn't play last week. He, I don't know. Has he been working on his game? He should be. He is the epitome of ball striking glory. Him and Morikawa can stiff it to three feet from behind a tree. His, his iron play is fantastic. The same problem. Hideki, mm. why can't you hit a four-foot putt? Lip out, power lip. It's a, it's a real problem. But I will say this. On this type of course, his game is precision. Fairways and greens. And that is the perfect type of guy to bet on in this tournament. He, you're also getting a good number on Hideki. Eh? At FanDuel, I think he's 28 to 1. 28 to 1. Uh, yeah, that's good. You, you'll usually get him in full season form, 18 mm. to 1, 20. Okay. But now no one's seen him. So you're getting those extra little bit, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to throw out the value word, but you're getting a great, great golfer that should be a lot lower than that plus at a very nice price. For a top 10. Plus all, three top all day, 10. Top, yeah. Put that one in right now. Go to your click, account and, and, and click, click, click. Put Hideki Matsuyama <laughs> top 10. If he's working on his game, I, he, he can win this tournament, so I love him for a top 10. That's the range I got Shoffley at last week, right? Yep. That's the range that we got him at last week. So that's the pond I like fishing in, Cam. It's a great pond to be fishing in. And another guy that you mentioned, Sunjay M, I'm coming right back to him. Certain people in life... You know, I'm not going to say I'm Gabe. Like, I love doing what I do, but I also like a break. I like to have a couple beers. I like to go hang out with the horse players. And you know what I mean? Sometimes I just want to turn it off. He wants to do, ah, I'm doing a show at 3 o'clock in the morning. I know. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey that's your choice. It's awesome. But uh, you know what I mean? I, I, it's just, Sunjay M is like the Gabe Berenci of golf. He's living in a, he's got a, he's got a bag. What hotel am I in this week? I will play and make money. He goes to the next hotel. Hi, uh, Sanjay M just checking in. Uh, I'm ready to roll. Like he's every got week. golf bag and yes, toilet. Yeah, he's got his golf bag. He's got his four shirts and slacks, some shoes. Hey, call up the caddy. Hey guys, let's rock. That's the type of guy he is. He does not take rest, but because he, he loves it and he wants to be one of the best in the world. Quiet guy. I'm going to tell you guys something. Again, top 10 for Sunjay M. He has all the techniques you need at a Hilton head, keeping the ball in play. And mm. it always comes down to the flat stick. So if you don't want to just do the win bet, a top 10 on Sunjay M, I think I'm betting him, I'm betting him to win and I'm betting him top six and I'm betting him top 10. He will be in my portfolio everywhere. Ken, let me ask you, I got to think there's also a couple of guys that maybe you saw that, that you want to fade. Now it's tough. You don't want to overreact to kind of, uh, you know, again, it's a, a one-course sample size, and each yep. course is going to be different. But I do see FanDuel even has some odds on some guys to miss the cut. Uh, all of the options in terms of miss the cut are actually plus money. Uh, the closest would be Graham McDowell. It's a minus 102 number at the FanDuel Sportsbook to miss. Is there anybody, whether it be missing the cut or a match bet, that you're looking to bet against? Well, guys, remember last week we said load up against Dustin Johnson? Mm -hmm. He has shown me nothing to take him in any type of matchup at any type of tournament. Can he turn it on this week and win? Yes, he's one of the best golfers in the world, but his form is horrible. At the Skins game, when he was with Rory, he couldn't hit a fairway. He was almost It was almost embarrassing to watch. Like Fowler, Wolf, and McIl McElroy carried his team in, in that tournament. Like Dustin Johnson has lost it off the tee. Um, he's a pretty chill type of guy. He's a father now. I'm not sure where the, you know, the hunger, the motivation is. It's like, 
It's kind of like, guys, you know, the contract year. We love guys on the contract year. You're playing for something more. He gets home. He gets to have sex with Paulina. Hey, Wayner, how you doing? You think hockey's coming back? Nice sure, life. Dustin, sure, Dustin, it's coming back. Buddy, you want to try some of my uh, my new wine from my uh, winery? Sounds great, Wayner. Let's go in the backyard and have a barbecue. I'm not sure how hard he is working on his game in comparison to the Sunjay M's and all the rest of these guys, Morikawa, that want to be the next guy. That's the thing. I think Dustin Johnson's in a place of complacency right now. And uh, he makes, uh, to me, that makes him fade material. Fair enough. You know, I've been telling uh, Kevin the same issue with Conor McGregor. The man is now wealthy. Yes. I yes. wonder if he still has the same hunger like when he was a janitor back in the day. You know, now... That's Donald Cerrone's nose. The man has hard. generational wealth with his yes. whiskey right now. I don't know if you want to go back into the octagon. I say the same thing to guys like Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Rob Gronkowski. Why if you do not have to anymore? We're going to get you at it. First First of all, I hope you can spend a couple of minutes with us on the other side of the break, Cam, because I got more questions for you. You mentioned that you like the ponies, so we're going to talk about that as well. But I have one question before yep. we get out. In 10 seconds, what did you like more, Brooks Kepka's mustache or Bryson DeChambeau's y yoked up? Bryson DeChambeau looks like the Incredible Hulk. And on the other side, guys, I'll tell you, it's not going to affect him. It's just going to help him. Right. Like, everyone's like, oh, his body's going to break down. Yes. Right. He's a scientist. All of his clubs are the right. same length, and he has a different swing than other people. He knows how to use that bulk. See what he's doing? I'm hitting the weight room and eating, uh, you know, five insurers a day. Boost, ding, ding. He's, he's so it's back different than Phil Nicholson hitting bombs, right? We'll talk about that, and then we'll talk about the Belmont when we come back. We're putting the fun and functional sports content right here on the early line, giving you the edge. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. We got our guy Cam Stewart in, and let me tell you something. Cam nailed it cold for us last week, so we're going to bring him back because I want more money. This is like your own stimulus package with Cam on golf. We were talking about Bryson DeChambeau, yeah. right, Cam? A guy who tinkers a lot, right? Is, yes, is, he does. Is, likes to play with his game, whether it's about the physics of the ball, the stand-up putter, whatever it is, he put on some muscle. And you are saying that this is actually going to be good for his game. Do tell. Yeah, I'm going to say a lot of people, golf media types are like criticizing it. It might not be great forever, but in the in the law in the short term, I think it's fantastic. He he has a different type of swing too. If you look at his move and compared to other guys. Bryson DeChambeau has studied every book. They call him the scientist. He said, listen, I want to compete with Dustin Johnson. I want to outdrive Rory McIlroy. I was a little bit too skinny. Now he's a monster. He looks like Bruce Banner out there. And he's hitting fairways. That's the thing. And you know in today's golf, guys, when you're going in with a 130-yard uh, sand wedge easy instead of 165, 170 yards, that is a big, big difference. That's McElroy's problem. He has a bad wedge game. The average on the PGA Tour inside 100 yards, you should knock it to eight feet. If you're going to do it 100 times, you should knock it to eight feet. DeChambeau is in that situation now. He was better than that number before, guys. His average around 6.9, and now with added distance there, what does that equal, guys? I'm not a scientist. Birdies. Short putt, ding, ding, ding. And it's that's the difference the of taking out the nine iron versus the yes. six iron. Yes, and being more accurate on your approach, for sure, and, right? And he's done the, and he's done the math. Also, it's what I mentioned before, the way courses are formulated now. I disagree with it. I think you should make mm. courses shorter with longer rough. He's basically saying, hey, if I bulk up, I put on 30 pounds and hit the ball 30, 30 yards more, I'm going to be down there. And you know what? I don't even care if I'm in the rough. I'm just going to put it on the dance floor and hopefully hit a birdie putt. That's the thing. Now he's uh, now he's going to be a bit. What was his problem before? He worried about length over four rounds in majors. If you're the one of the biggest hitters now, that puts him in a great category. Look who wins majors: Brooks Kepka, monster. Dustin Johnson, he's usually there in all of them. Hits it, a, hits it a mile. Rory McIlroy, same thing. So in majors, the courses play 
like 76, 7,700. This week, it's under 7,100 yards, guys. 600 yards over four rounds of golf. I don't care who you are. You need power. But this that's why this tournament's different. A small ball hitter, a guy who hits at 280 instead of 320, can do well. That's interesting. I want to ask you, Cam, about uh, some of these hold bets that they're offering here uh, yep. on FanDuel because I am the type of person that sees something wonky like this, and I'm like, all right, everybody, gather around. Hold you are, here. You're, that, you're that guy at the party, right? It's just, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, let's try this beer. It looks it looks awful, but hey, I, I, could be, I could be that guy too. Yeah, yeah frivolous. No, no, Every beer is good when it's cold, Cam. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, Dane. Like, I, I, I love it all. I love Natty it Light all. out of the fresh keg, I'll take it. Oh, God, <laughs> Natty Light. <laughs> Man, that stuff's cheap. I, I was, wow. I'm like, yeah, now I know why it's cheap. It's like I'm drinking lake water. But anyway, uh, Kevin, that's the thing. I, I don't really play those bets. But if you guys are going to watch, like, who will, you know, who will do better on this hole or hole bets, birdie or better, find a guy – you know, maybe make some mental notes while you're watching the tournament and go, you know what? This guy's wheels are starting to fall off or whatever. That's when you start to play things like that. If he's approaching that hole, then you can fade him. For me, I have so many, Kev, I have so many winners and top yeah. fives and tens. I don't really play those as much. I love matchup bets, though. Like a tournament matchup or a daily matchup, I play those all day. And I should start tweeting those out a little bit more because, as Dane said, we really hit it uh, week one. Other than Webb Simpson, everything nice. in the portfolio yeah. like went went up. So it was a good yeah. week. You absolutely crushed it, Cam. And, you know, I'm looking because how to maybe play it a little conservatively. You talk about M. You talk about Matsuyama. I'm seeing them at, like, plus 150, plus 160 to finish in the top 20. And that would be kind of being more conservative. But at the same time, I'm going to press my luck with you, Cam. Give me some bombs out there, right? If I wanted to just drop a couple of shekels and really make hay, you got any ideas on some long shots as well this week? I sure do, guys. So, you know what? I, I just want to say one thing with the favorites. Uh, Webb Simpson, I'm coming back to him on FanDuel. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know who smashed him, but somebody on the book did. He was 30 last night. He's 23 tonight. So, uh, I don't know some guy put down. Like, coming in. Hey. Uh, he played horribly last week, but his game sets up for this course. He's 23. I told you I love Sunjay M, but here are a couple for you. I got two guys. Ian Poulter. Watch out for Ian Poulter at 65 to one. He's kind of going to be him and this other guy I'm going to mention are my Daniel Burgers this week. Ian Poulter hits the ball straight. He won't dazzle you with length, but his putting can also be some of the best on the European and PGA Tour guys. And he has a great track record here, uh, leading a lot of the time going into the final round. He's lost a couple heartbreakers here. He's had top fives, top tens. Ian Poulter. At Harbortown, his game fits like a glove. Give me him at 65 to 1 and watch out for this Washington State Cougar. What? Joel Damon, <laughs> 70 to 1. You'll notice Joel Damon, he'll wear that bucket hat like me, guys, because he gets pummeled in the sun. Very uh, okay. pale, pasty guy. He'll wear it. And I love Joel Damon this week. Great performance last week. He was right there. And at 70 to 1, Joel Damon won't, like, nobody knows him. He's kind of like a quiet pick. You're getting 70 to 1. He should be around 40 but not a popular player. So those are two bombs. And if you want top 20s, Luke List won last week on the the, the minor tour circuit. Right. Mm. And also he has ties to this area, 120 to one. And I got one that's just absolutely stupid. Matthew Neesmith, he is from South Carolina. They're playing at Harbortown, South Carolina, 240 to one. Put him in a top wow. 10 or 20 if he hits. Uh, Dane, go buy. You can upgrade from Natty Light to Patron and uh, light up a cigar. <laughs> How's that sounds sound? good? Sounds good. I like the bombs. And listen, when they've got the home course advantage, I will take that. Listen, Cam, I would be remiss if we didn't ask you a little bit about the ponies as yeah. well. Belmont going off this Saturday, rescheduled from June 6th over to this Saturday. I know you and Gabe even, you know, had a horse in Conflict Diamond. So I want to yeah. ask you this, okay, from a big picture standpoint. When you were training or a horse, these horses were steering to be a tip-top shape for the first Saturday in May, right? Yep. And now that is not the case. You think about golfers also with the Masters pushed back to November. You think about Olympic athletes, right, who were primed and ready for summer 2020 and now got to get primed and ready for summer 2021. And it impacts the whole trajectory, right, of how you would train a horse. So we know this has moved, Belmont now being the first of the Triple Crown. And for any horse purists out there, earmuffs, because the Belmont test of the champion will not be a mile and a half this year either. As you know, Cam, right, they're going shortening it up because they haven't had 
the runway to get there and stretch these horses out. So some of the logistical changes that have happened in this horse calendar with the prep races not happening as much, shortening this race, and then, you know, changing training habits, I would imagine needs to happen. How do you think these guys are handling it? How do you think these animals are handling it from a big picture standpoint, Kim? Wow, man, you, that, that's, you ask a lot of good questions there. <clears throat> I think a lot of the time, you know, horses are like people. They're creatures of habit. And I got to think it's going to be very, very difficult for some. Here's the bottom line, guys. Tis the law. You have to lay juice with this horse. Do it now. Because I yeah. think I think it's probably only going to, that, that line's only going to go up. That horse is very, very dangerous. Sure. I'm with you. And also another thing, guys, look at Belmont. I play Belmont every day. Look at the hot jockey, too. I think that's going to have something to do with it. Remember, Johnny we, B, baby. Yeah, Johnny yeah, my boy, my boy, my boy is Junior Alvarado. I okay. learned a long time ago. Junior Alvarado is a turf specialist and a wise horse better told me every time he gets on a turf horse, he automatically improves like almost by like a second. And that's wow. when I take him at prices on turf. Here's the thing. Look at the hot jockeys. They're changing distances. You have to be slick. You have to know when to make that move. If your horse is a stone cold closer, when do I when do I get him to go so he doesn't fade? Right. And you guys said you guys said it, Dane. The Belmont stretch at the end, the longest race. Like, when is this horse race going to end? It's a war of attrition. You can just see them. They're all tired, like coming down the stretch. Yeah. It's tough. Tis the law, though, for all the horses that are there. Doctor Post, Farmington Road, Max mm -hmm. Player, Modernist, like these. He is head head and shoulders class, above right? them. Yeah, and like. I'm just saying, I have to lay juice with this horse. If you're getting three to two, mm. as you said, hit it now, because uh, right now I think that is actually a very, very good number. But I do have one for you, and it's interesting. On my book, uh, he went down. He, like, I got this guy at nine. You're moving uh, the line, Cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, my God, Cam, uh, they call me fat stacks for the last couple of weeks. I've been hitting winners. Sole, Sole Volante is a horse that I watched at Gulfstream, guys. He was in a big, big-time uh, stakes race versus Etai Indian and yeah. a couple others, and came out of the sky late. And that's what As you need closer. still. Yes, and that's it's still at Belmont. Even though the race isn't as long as it usually was, it's yeah. still a pretty long race. So I think, obviously, tis the law is the horse you have to watch out for. But Sole Volante is a horse that I watched, and I gave him the eye test, and it was an eye test that I like. And right now, you could probably get him at 12 to 14 to 1. It's a real sweet price. Cam, let me, excuse me, Cam, let me ask you one more thing here uh, because of the changes that are happening. First of all, I heard Barkley tag the trainer of Tis the Law being like, I think he could go a mile and a half right now. I ain't scared. Yeah. So I, I, I like that. Uh, as a New York guy, I've always been on the Pletcher-Johnny V combo, so we'll talk oh, about that. Yep. But another distinct actual change because of this race that I want to get your insight on with them moving it down from a mile and a half, I believe it's going to run a mile and an eighth or a mile and a quarter yep, and eighth, yep. for this racetrack. Okay. What they would have done at a mile and a half is they start at the starting gate. They go around the turn and then the whole backstretch. Yes. Now at a mile and a quarter, um, Cam, they're starting in the kind of long runway right into the backstretch, making this now a one-turn race as opposed to a two-turn race. I know that's a big difference in the way that jockeys kind of play it. Um, what are some of those differences with horses going around one turn as opposed to two? Man, you ask a lot of good questions, Dane. I, I can tell you one thing. In a, long, in a race that's longer, you you would t tend to take the horse, an inside horse, a little bit more. Right. You have time. When he, gets caught, when he gets caught up in traffic, you have time to still maneuver and make your move. Right. It's going to be imperative that horses on the inside get out, don't get caught, and, and get behind somebody. Like NASCAR, drafting, right? You don't, you don't want to get pinned. You do not want to get pinned. But I'm going to tell you this. It's still a race for a closer. And you're right about tis the law. This horse, it doesn't matter if it's a mile and an eighth, a mile and a half. This, this horse runs. And, like, usually you have a horse that he comes out hot, and that's what a lot of the underdog horses are going to do. They're going to try to get their horse out to the lead, but they're going to fade. Tis the laws, like, it doesn't matter. I can right. hold the lead. You don't see wire-to-wire -wire winners very often, but he's the type of guy to do that stuff. So in, to, to answer your question, uh, the inside horses, I, I'd be a little bit more weary in a shorter race than a longer race. But Sole Volante, I, I, as a closer, I still think fits the bill if you're looking for exotics, exactas, triactors, super. That's the horse that I, I like with Tisla Law. That's great stuff, man. And the only other thing that I could wonder with this is, does it matter that there's nobody there? The Belmont's usually packed. 
I don't think so. They've been they've been racing without fans for a while. Probably yeah. good for the horses. They don't get freaked out if some idiot, drunk idiot <clears throat> gets too loud and you. Oh, okay, you know what I mean. And there's usually so, 110,000 people. Exactly, like York, the horse. York, right That's before tough. they go, it will be a different environment. Yo, Cam, thanks again, man. You're giving us some winners. I know where to click submit. I'm gonna do it right now. You should too. But Kevin and I will be back talking a little bit more when we come back. It's the early line, putting the fun in functional sports. Content. Thanks a lot, Ken. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. I got my man, Kevin. Boy, when we have Cam, we truly are putting the fun in functional sports content. You know, first of all, I have graduated from Natty Light um, for anybody who is wondering. But listen, I think Cam had a couple of good insights there, especially the idea that this is a shorter course, right? Some of those good iron players, the technique players, we talked about him, we talked about Matsuyama, maybe safer conservative bets in the top 20. I kind of like that way of skinning the cat, huh, Kev? I think the thing about golf, right? So we, again, we talk about catching the eye of people in this time where golf is really impressive is the options. Yep. I, I mean, you've got round one bets, top the amount five, of top 10 matchup bets, plus this money whole... that's available yeah. for top 20 stuff. I mean, and you heard, you know, Cam just completely light up at some of these guys at plus money, um, you know, for a top 20 finish. Right. And then even if you want to be, you know, not reckless, right? But if you're someone like myself who's, you know, way more novice when it comes to betting golf and you want something a little wackier, you want to throw a, you know, will there be a birdie in hole 10, whatever it might be that the FanDuel's book's offering, go for it. Like, it, it provides you so many different options. And that's the thing. It's almost impossible if you're somebody who loves sports betting, right? That to, to look at to look at the the golf options and not find something that, that you can enjoy and have fun with. And I don't right. even like, and I know there's a lot of people that take it very, very seriously, but there are also people, we know this thing, right? That will say, yeah, you know, I like a little action when I'm watching something. You know what I mean? It mm -hmm. adds that extra level to them. Listen, you can get yourself invested. Whatever kind of action you want. <laughs> whatever it might be. So that's why I think it's, um, I think that's why it's great. Really the only question I have is like, are you a beer drinker primarily? Me? Because like, for, yeah, like that's, I just, that's just, because I've personally had a change recently. So that's oh. why I ask. Um, it depends on the context. It depends on the context. It depends on where I am. Situational you know? kind of drink. It's a situational thing. Yes, I have plenty of vices. Sports investing is only one of them. Um, but, you know, it depends on the context. If I'm out with guys, maybe beer. Otherwise, I might be a rum and coke kind of guy, a Jack and Ginger kind of guy. But, you know, I'll, I'll drink it. It's all good. <laughs> Whatever's there. Whatever's there. I, that's right. That's right. Um. I did want to also talk about this because I saw something, you know, Kev, we talk about the reopening, right? And fans in the stands and how it's different in different states. Well, I saw something in the Los Angeles Times yesterday that really caught my eye. Um, in the last three months, maybe no one's name has become more public than Dr. Anthony Fauci. Mm. And Fauci has come out, and to be quite honest, he expressed some caution directed towards Major League Baseball and their proposed schedule. You know, the idea of the playoffs and the World Series going into October and November. We've heard about this concept of the second wave or the fall, how coronavirus may come back in like what is actually flu season. And he had words of caution, especially for Major League Baseball, especially about going into deeper into the fall, in essence, being like, you guys got to figure this out. And I would try and button it up and get it all done before the fall. Here's a quote from Fauci out of the LA Times yesterday. If the question is time, I would try to keep it in the course summer months and end it not with the way we play the World Series until the end of October when it's cold. I would avoid that. He says, even in warm weather, like in Arizona and California, we're starting to see resurgences as we open up. I think the chance of being less of an issue in the end of July and August 
are much, much better than if you go into October. He continues on to say, unless there is a dramatic change in the de uh, decrease of cases, I would only feel comfortable in spaced out seating when you fill one half or a third and everybody is required to wear a mask. But even that may be more dangerous when you hit October. What does this do for your confidence meter, Kev? It's so interesting, man. Um, I think right there, it reminds me of one of the things that is this whole second wave and us trying to figure out what that means. And we're um, seeing different states. In different states, like New York, where we are, which used to be called the epicenter, has now kind of like, you know, done the right thing, has sort of flattened its curve. New York may now be safer mm -hmm. than some of the states in the Midwest or in the South where we're seeing spikes. And because it is so, everybody is experiencing this bell curve in different times and different ways, it's going to be very interesting, unlike the NBA and Major League um, and the NHL, which is going to have these bubbles, right? Mm -hmm. Major League Baseball is going to be spread out over this country. Yeah, the ability to keep people out, I think, is beneficial. We talked about, though, how... If that is that really even an option for the NFL? And the answer is probably no. If I were to give, if somebody said, man, I really want Kevin Walsh's coronavirus take, right? And if I were to give you one, here's the here's a here's a take I'm I'm starting to wonder, Dan. I'm workshopping, if you will. Go ahead, let me know. Is is the idea that the masks can really, really slow down the transmission of yeah. COVID, right? And I know that might sound basic right but i think depending on like i think both sides of the spectrum right the people who take it super serious and the people that still don't really understand that this is a serious thing almost like there are people who think we shouldn't wear masks preposterous but there are also people who would probably say i don't know if a mask does enough right but i think when you think about some stuff that's happened here in new york right with the protests and there not being some dramatic spike um, and most people you saw at those protests were masked up and i know that yes. here in new york in new york can at only least. enter stores in uh with a mask on yes i, I think that they're giving out masks and hand sanitizer in the subway system right like i so i think the fact that the mask could be like the the great equalizer to a lot of this is encouraging where it's discouraging is there are people who think it, it is oppression to put a mask on their face. It's like a cool face. new accessory now to rock your mask on the chin. Like to be wearing a mask but not actually having it doing anything yeah. protecting your mouth or nose. It's almost like it's in style now to wear your mask all saggy. I don't get it. I think you're absolutely right. We have seen social distance, wearing a mask, it works right. to flatten the curve. And the question then becomes if they needed other hubs, are we actually going to be going to areas where you wouldn't expect? The problem is he still seems to be alluding to the idea that warm weather is better. Right. That this fall is going to be a problem. Right. But that means then that your Floridas and your Arizonas and your Californias, right, you would want to go California side, but certain places that are warmer are not taking it as serious. Like you would almost expect yeah. Florida to be more buttoned up in their approach, knowing that they have got the NBA, the MLS coming on in, right? Coming yeah. in. And they're not, right? And if not for what is apparently a and great if Florida partnership, continues to spike, you're gonna have more players on June 24th opting out because yeah. they are more and more concerned about the data on the ground. Right. And and, and that's something that's been reported that the more they look at Florida, yeah. the more guys are like, what is going on here? And on I would tell you this. If it wasn't already agreed upon, and Adam Silver apparently has a really nice rapport with the man who runs Disney, and so does Chris Paul. If that wasn't the case, I could see yeah, them like, right now. <laughs> I think they'd right now be having a lot of conversations, though, about should we go elsewhere? Yeah. Be because if you're not going to be able to handle what's going on, then we can't necessarily come there. I think the biggest thing, though, is, okay, baseball needs to be finished by October. Yeah, I know where you could go. As I know five, you go, right? Fauci talked about all this in the in the context of baseball. And he yeah. kept on saying that October, November is gonna be a problem. What does this mean for the NFL, Kevin? You know, my thesis, and you know it, has been that NFL will get the luxury yeah. of following an established blueprint. I'm starting to get 
concern. My confidence meter, Kev, is falling on this because we still don't have any answers and everybody's worried about now the time in the calendar that football does occupy. Remember, in March and April, football was lucky. Right. Because games weren't in session. They could do free agency. They could do the draft, you know, without compromising their schedule. Now we still haven't figured this out. And the clock is ticking and it's going to be the NFL that, you know, is talking about being all across this country, having fans back. Um, what does this mean for football, Kev? So let me I'll, I'll, I'll offer you my view and you tell me if I'm being dramatic here. If football gets cut off in, say, week six, I think the season's lost. I don't see how they can possibly recover it because if it has to do with cold weather and a spike in COVID flu cases, like the restart after six weeks, you've got 11 more weeks of football that would need to be played. You're not going to be able to pick that up in April, finish, pause, NFL draft. I don't know what you're going to do in terms of that. But also, what does that mean for bringing in prospects? Because college football then is going to get completely wiped out as well. I have to say, Dane, I think the same questions is, these other sports are in. I, I think it is a bit of a risk to think this NFL season is going to be able to be executed. And on top of all of this, the other quote that you mentioned there with Fauci saying I'd be comfortable, let's call it 33% capacity. I mean, NFL, that's a I mean, if you think that they're going to be able to survive, they only have eight home games. Okay? And they're going to be only, and they're going to be missing out on seventy percent of the gate, and the concessions, and all those other things that you've listed yeah. throughout, uh, you know, other shows that yeah. are lost when there are no fans in the stands. Like again, I'm not trying to offer people a pessimistic view. What I'm trying to offer is that I believe that if the NF, if the NFL is paused for any more than a month, the season is lost. Yeah, I. Here's where I agree with you. I think a start and stop for the NFL season is would be very, very difficult. I think, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, mm. I think what the NFL behind closed doors is figuring out right now is do they want to take on this risk or not? You know, like the first fork of the road is do we proceed? Yeah. And then if they say yes, it's almost like then there's no turning back, Kevin. It's almost like then there is no turning back. And what they have to figure out is this idea like we're seeing with the NBA, like, oh, isolation housing and 48 hour quarantine and a second and a third test. The first fork in the road is do they want to stomach the obvious risk and what will inevitably happen the same way we were just talking about it, you know, with the NBA? Do they want to take it on? And if their answer is yes to that. I don't think they would be able to, even what you described, they wouldn't pause in week six. They'd have to have whatever protocols and all that in play, and then they just have to grin and bear it and stomach whatever happened, even if Tom Brady goes down, even if four offensive linemen on the same team go down in the same week. They're just going to have to stomach whatever happens. Now is the time for them to take the first fork in the road. Are we going to do this or not? Yeah. And, and is there any way that we could do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday schedule to, you know, work this thing out a little bit better? I'm not sure. But also, if the NFL's gone and if all of a sudden now everybody's home again, the gap in the sports world, the NBA, you want to talk about having prepared conversations. Hey, Disney, see you again in January. We're, We're coming back. Word up. MLS, we'll play in the snow. We don't care. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I hear you. But listen. Sometimes there's more questions than answers here. We will continue to try to answer them for you. Read the tea leaves and make it happen. It's another edition of The Early Line. When we come back in hour number two, we turn our attention to the Philadelphia Eagles. Kevin's squad. We'll see. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 